forget, amen, there's been a few occasions, amen, uh, where I've, I've gotten up from an altar call, and I've told you before, but get up from a certain altar calls, and and you just want to hug everybody and love everybody. I love you, brother. I love you so much, because you get full of the Holy Ghost, and, and that should be what happens here on a regular basis. We get in God's presence, amen, and that Holy Ghost just shines through us, amen. The glory of God reflects in our our appearance, our lives. Amen. We want to turn to the uh, the Word of God, Proverbs chapter 9 and verse number 10. And we'll stand briefly for the reading of the Word of the Lord. Amen. We're going to uh, go right through this tonight and uh, see what God has in store for us. Proverbs chapter 9 and verse number 10. And it's a verse that we've, we've all read or heard before, but many of us haven't perhaps uh, heard the second part of this verse and uh, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom how many have heard that read, read a few times the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom amen and many a parent will teach their child to fear the Lord if you want to be have some wisdom amen but the second half it says and the knowledge of the holy is understanding and in the International Standard Version, it says it like this. The fear of the Lord is where wisdom begins. And knowing holiness demonstrates understanding. Knowing holiness demonstrates understanding. Amen. And uh, my question, amen, tonight, how many want to know more about the Holy One? Amen. How many want to know more about His holiness and know more about holiness and for that matter, know more about the one that you love. Amen. I want to know more about him. Amen. And it's my desire to, uh, to dive into this tonight and to see what uh, kind of a God we serve and what he would want us to reflect in our lives of his countenance and of his attributes. Amen. Let's set our Bibles aside. Let's ask the Lord to talk to us for a moment here tonight. Amen. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all that you've done. We ask you tonight to anoint, Lord, every one of us, God, anoint the hearer tonight to be receptive to your word and anoint my lips, Lord, that I could be directed by the Lord in everything that I say, God. I ask you for grace and favor. I ask you, Lord, that you give me wisdom and courage, boldness. God, give me love. God, baptize me with fresh with your spirit. Baptize us afresh with your love God fill us today God not just with your spirit but also God with understanding God move us forward in you tonight in Jesus name we pray amen God bless you you can be seated for a moment amen uh, last week we uh, we had talked a little bit about sin and grace and we expounded on the grace of God amen what that means and to for our lives and how we can apply that on a daily basis. Uh, and today we're continuing to build upon that foundation that we laid last week. Uh, and we're going to be talking about holiness uh, more fully today. But today we're going to dive into, uh, and this is my topic, 
uh, holiness and legalism. Amen. Holiness and legalism. Amen. And uh, those words can be a little scary sometimes. You, someone starts talking about holiness and legalism, and you start, oh man, what's he going to uh, talk about? But we're just going to just dive right in and see what the Lord has for us and what the Word of God says, um, and just see uh, where God will lead us. Uh, it is my desire, amen, to please the Lord. It's my desire to be more like Him. It's my desire that He would be reflected in my life and that others would see me, would see my life, and they would see Jesus. Amen. That is the, uh, the intent of holiness uh, and the topic of holiness, that we would, people would see Jesus in us. Not that they would see uh, someone that is uh, a legalist or a legal mindset, if you will, that they got everything buttoned up on the outside, but on the inside is full of dead men's bones. Uh, there are extremes you can go to, and, and they have been gone to in, in other churches and other denominations where people can, uh, uh, they can harp so much, if you will, on the outside, on the outward appearance that they neglect uh, what is on the inside. And, and uh, you have people that have, they're all wearing white button-up dress shirts and black slacks and the same colored tie because they're trying to line up to the legalist mindset. Uh, but on the inside, they're dry as they're, they're dry as anything else. And, and on the other side, you can have people that uh, that all they talk about is what's on the inside. And on the outside, there's no reflection of the glory of God. And there's no distinction between uh, who is the people of God and who is the people of this world. And we want to have there should be a balance between uh, these two concepts today and We've talked briefly in the past about holiness and just going to run through this for a few moments on holiness. But holiness uh, is a principle. Amen. It is uh, the reason for which the rule exists. Uh, holiness at its core is is a principle. It's a reason for which the rule exists. And we talked a few weeks ago about how that applies to through the Ten Commandments in the Scripture. Uh in other words, it is the reason by which the rule exists in the first place. Why is that rule there? The principle by which that rule is placed. In the Ten Commandments, there were rules, there were rules based upon principles. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Exodus 20 and 3, that's the rule. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And the principle is that he alone is God. And he should be revered as such. And God will not share his glory with another. Amen. There shouldn't be things in our lives that come between us and God. Amen. There shouldn't be things that we prioritize over the things of God. Amen. Lest we idolize that object or that activity or that relationship. And we put that in front of God. But if we only see the rule that thou shalt have no other gods before me, we can think, amen, that you're not supposed to have uh, that little idol on the living room furniture. That's the rule. But everything else is okay. And so we need to remember that it's based upon a principle. The other commandment is thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or bow down before it. And that is the rule, Exodus 24 through 5. But the principle is that God is a jealous God, as we alluded to a moment ago, and is the only one that should be worshipped. Amen. God alone wants our worship and wants our praise. Amen. It's God alone that requires us to lift up our hands and to put our minds upon Him. 
Amen. That's why we don't lift up our hands and put our minds upon the preacher. We don't lift our hands and put our minds upon our neighbor. We don't lift our hands and put our mind upon something else. But we lift our hands and we, we close our eyes and we put our minds upon Him and Him alone. And we remember that He alone is worthy to be praised. And that there's nothing else in this world that is worthy of our praise. Amen. There's been great politicians that have done many great things in America and for our nation. Amen. But they don't deserve, they don't require our worship. The one, amen, that demands and requires of us worship is the Lord of hosts, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. And so rules and principles must be contrasted. Holiness is not intended to be, nor should it be, a bunch of rules. But rather it is a way of life or a lifestyle based upon principles that are explained in the word of God. And if we're not careful, we'll confuse the issue by becoming ensnared in the rule and not searching out the principle. Amen. This happens a lot of times in young people as they're discovering what God's word says about their lives. And mom and dad perhaps place a, a, a rule in their life and they think, well, how can I? bend that rule as much as possible? How can I go around that rule? How can I still satisfy myself, my flesh, and still not break the rule that mom and dad have given me? And so you'll have kids that will come up with all sorts of excuses and reasons and how they did not break the rule, but they still behave badly. Amen. How many can attest to that? Amen. I'm sure everybody can attest to that. I think we've all been there from a time or two. Amen. Where we've uh, said, but I didn't do what you told me not to do. But everything else, amen, that I did do was wrong. But you didn't name it. You didn't tell me I couldn't do X, Y, and Z. And so that is the, uh, the caution. Uh, that is uh, the area that we want to make sure that we're not becoming in so much ensnared by the rule and not searching out the principle. Amen. Legalism, that scary word in church, legalism. Uh, we could turn... Uh, in our Bibles, and it's in the book of Galatians, chapter 2 and 16, it says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Amen. You cannot work your way to heaven, if you will. Amen. You cannot say I did. Uh, I fulfilled all of these uh, these rules and these obligations. And so now I am demanded. I require to go to heaven. Amen. If your heart is not right. Amen. Because it's still a matter of the heart. Amen. But there's also the works. Amen. That indicate the direction and the state of your heart. Amen. Legalism defined is basing salvation on good works or strict observance to, of the law. Amen. It is mistakenly thinking that our good behavior or our actions is all that is necessary to get us into heaven. Amen. It's mistakenly thinking, I'll say that again, that our good behavior or our actions is all that is necessary to get us into heaven. Amen. There's a scripture in the Bible. Amen. And we're going to read it in a few moments in the book of Matthew chapter 23 that God begins to, Jesus begins to expound on what Legalism has uh, the effects of legalism in people's lives as he dealt with the Pharisees in Matthew and 23. Amen. And legalism is imposing rules that are not based on biblical teaching 
or principles. Everything that you do may not be right or wrong. But it, some things that we may not say that's right or that's wrong. And this is where we go back to as a kid. It's not right. It's not wrong. But some things are pointing you in the wrong direction. Some things are pointing you in, in a direction that you should not be going into. Amen. The uh, California law would tell you that it's not okay to, to I don't know if you, how you say it, snort or do court cocaine. It's not okay to, uh, uh, to, to get hooked on opioids. It's not okay to, uh, to uh, get hooked on oxycodone or all these different drugs. I, don't even, I can't even think of all the names that are out there, that the drugs that people partake of. But it's okay to smoke marijuana. And so you say, well, the law says it's okay for me to smoke marijuana because that's not uh, on the same level as oxycodone. That's not on the same level as cocaine. That's not on the same level as uh, all the different, uh, the different drugs that are out there. And, but that drug is putting you on a path that is wrong. It's putting you on a path that's leading to addiction. It's a gateway drug. And there are certain things that uh, the law may not specify as right or wrong, but they're putting you on that wrong direction. And so it must be looked at through the lens of principle. Amen. It is therefore necessary that we understand the teaching and principles of the word of God. Matthew chapter 23. And if you have it, we'll turn there. Matthew chapter 23 and verse number 23. And this is where Jesus begins to uh, scold, if you will, the Pharisees and the Sadducees that were hooked upon a legalist mindset. Amen. They didn't care if you uh, were doing something to help the poor. If you broke one of Moses' laws, you were going to be stoned to death. All they looked at was the law of Moses, and they didn't look at the principles behind it. They, all, they, all they looked at was, how can I show that my adherence to the law is better than your adherence to the law? How can I show that I'm holier than you, that, I, that I'm more observant of the law of Moses? And, and so they would do certain things that we'll talk about here in Matthew 23 and 23, Jesus, the red letter edition, says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. They were so, uh, they were so bound by the law that they did not even know how to obey Amen. They did not even know how to apply judgment and mercy and faith. Amen. Which were some of the, the key elements of Scripture. And it says, these ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. Amen. So Jesus begins to uh, talk to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and said, that's good that you're paying tithe. Amen. But let me tell you something. Amen. Don't forget about judgment and grace and mercy. Don't forget about faith. Don't forget about some of the reasons why we pay our tithe. Don't forget about some of the reasons why we preach and we teach. Amen. That you're to obey the law of God. He says, you blind guides which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. They were so focused. They were so focused on uh, such minute, specific details 
that they could not even see, amen, if that person had a heart after God. They could not even see if that person uh, it was on the process of becoming more like Christ. All they could see was that person, amen, picked up sticks on the Sabbath day. And so that person should be stoned. That person helped a, a sheep that was falling into a pit on a Sabbath day. And that was work. And so they should be stoned. That person, amen, did not fulfill the exact specifications of what they thought the law was saying. And Jesus began to tell them that it's causing you to be living in hypocrisy. It's causing you to be blind to certain things that you should be aware of. In verse 25, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye may clean the outside of the cup and of the platter. But within are full, they are full of extortion and excess. Amen. The Pharisees and Sadducees were so buttoned up about the outside appearance and so so consumed with every single detail on the outside, but that they did not even consider the heart. They their hearts were far from God. Amen. That is a that is a danger that we can get into, that we can be so consumed, amen, with with certain uh, rules and specifications, amen, that we forget, amen. Does you do you really have a heart to please God? What about your heart tonight? Amen. What about the heart of the man? Amen. They are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter. That the outside of them may be clean also. Amen. God began to specify. God began to direct the Pharisees and the Sadducees. That they are to examine their hearts. Amen. Now let a man examine himself. The Bible says. And they are to consider themselves. In the, through the, the mirror of the word of God. And how, uh, how long has it been. Since we got up the word of God. And said does my life line up to the word of God. As I go through the scriptures, amen, does the inside of my life and the outside of my life line up to the word of God? Amen. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful on the outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Amen. Matthew in 23, the chapter begins to deal with Jesus' Jesus's response to the Pharisees' legalistic way of life. Amen. God was uh, concerned, amen, that they had forgotten about the inside. They had forgotten about the heart. They had forgotten about, amen, being full of the Spirit. They had forgotten about, amen, having Jesus, having God on the inside of their hearts. Amen. God did not... Uh, Condemn them, amen, for their, their observance to the law. But God said, you're placing so much focus on the law that you're forgetting about the heart. You're forgetting about, amen, what uh, you're forgetting about the inside of the man. Amen. And God has given us some uh, direction, amen, the, the, uh, the effects of a legalistic mindset, the effects of a legalistic point of view, amen, that you can be so focused on the outside that you don't even consider the inside. You don't even consider, amen, that that person has a love for their neighbor, amen. I, I'm, re I'm reminded of, of uh, some people that I knew years ago, and I, I still have uh, some connection to from time to time. They're so consumed with the outside and how long your sleeve is, how uh, everything about your dress so just 
uh, on it as far as every single little thing about the dress that they don't even have the Holy Ghost resident in their lives. And it's not to say we should not be holy, but it's to say that we need to have a balance. We need to understand that it's I've got to take care of the outside man. I've got to be holy unto the Lord, but I've also got to make sure that I'm getting on my knees before God. And I'm seeking his face and I'm saying, God, God, I'm asking you to be in my heart, God. I'm asking you, God, to fill me up today, God. Help me, God, to not to help me, Lord, to not place so much emphasis on other, on other things that I forget the inside, the heart of man. And I've got to go back, amen, to making sure that my heart is right with him. Amen. It's in Mark 7 and 1 through 13 that God begins to tell us a little bit more. In verse number 9 of that chapter, he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of, the, of God that ye may keep your own tradition. Making the word of God in verse 13 of none effect through your tradition, which ye have delivered and many such like things ye do. And so in Mark chapter 7, amen, we uh, are instructed that we must be careful that we do not fall into traditions of living for God. What we believe, profess, and live must have its foundation in the Word of God. Amen. What we live and believe and profess must have its foundation in the Word of God. Amen. We mu- it must be based upon the Scripture. Is, is what I'm living, what I'm preaching, amen, is there basis in the Word of God for it? Amen. And, uh, but we also must be careful not to fall into the trap of ceasing to do certain things because we feel they are tradition. Again, it's a balance between the two. Amen. Not placing so much emphasis on the uh, on tradition. Amen. That we forget what the word of God says, but also on the opposite side of the spectrum. Certain things that we feel are tradition, but there is biblical basis for them. Amen. The dangers of legalism that we see in Matthew in 23, uh, the dangers of legalism uh, bring about self-righteousness, self-righteous reliance on works for salvation. Amen. The danger of legalism brings about uh, the danger of failure to develop inward holiness. Holiness is not just on the outside, but it's on the inside. Amen. You can you can live a certain way and be buttoned up head to toe. Amen. More so than the uh, the Muslim woman that they're covered. Sometimes just their eyes come out. But inside, who knows what's going on in their heart of hearts? That person is way more holy if it's if it's just the outside. But what's on the inside? And we must not fail to develop inward holiness. Amen. The danger uh, of legalism. Uh, it also, uh, it also uh, produces the danger of a failure to develop a mature understanding of principles in the Word of God. The danger of living by minimum requirements and loopholes. We talked about that a moment ago with children. Amen. They'll find any loophole. And if you uh, allow yourself to, to live such a life that it's, it's bound by uh, rules and it's bound by legalistic a uh, point of view, amen, people are going to find loopholes every single time. People are going to find loopholes and they're going to find how they can just meet the minimum requirements of what it takes to get to heaven, not realizing I've got to love him. I've got to love my neighbor. I've got to please God. I've got to make sure that my heart is right with God. 
Amen. Another thing, uh, a negative aspect of legalism is that it produces the danger of hypocrisy and inconsistency. We begin to, uh, if we get so focused on a legalistic point of view, amen, we become discouraged very, very quickly. We become very, very discouraged thinking, well, I can't seem to get the whole Sabbath day correctly. I can't seem to get this whole uh, this whole law of Moses correctly. I'm so focused on this. I'm just going to give up. I'm tired of being a hypocrite. I'm tired of, uh, of messing up time and time again. And we forget the principle. Because we're stuck in a legalistic mindset. The danger uh, of legalism is it will also produce a judgmental and condemning attitude. I remember years ago. Amen. Uh, being in certain events, amen, where one person would get up behind the pulpit and they would preach holiness and the other person would get up right behind them and they'd preach it harder. And then someone else would get up and they'd preach it even harder. Well, I got more holiness than that. And someone else would get up and they'd say, man, you're a sinner. You need to do this. and you, I got more holiness. And it's a competition. And that is sometimes the byproduct of a legalistic mindset. And one great danger of Falling prey to legalism. A great danger is that often one generation will hand down spiritual truth to the next in a legalistic way. For instance, amen, my, my wife has told me about some friends of hers when she was growing up that, she's, uh, that they, would, uh, they would make statements. And I've heard it myself when I was growing up, people that would make statements like, as soon as I get to be 18, I'm going uh, to start Cutting my hair, I'm gonna start wearing pants. I'm gonna start doing this, and, and and because they they were under this this rigid mindset, mom and dad said you can't do this, and, and so with, if they went to school and someone said, well, why do you wear skirts all the time to the girls? Why why do you not cuss? Because my pastor says I have to wear skirts, and not really understanding the principle. Amen. That's falling prey to a legalistic mindset. And not realizing that it's Jesus that I'm trying to please. It's him that I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to honor the Lord. I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to draw closer to him. I'm trying to live in such a way that he's pleased with my life. He's he's pleased with the way that I'm living, the way that I'm conducting myself, the way that I'm dressing, the way that I'm talking. And people, amen, they must see in our lives a love for truth. Amen. And, and the beauty of holiness in our lives. And not that it comes from a legalistic, uh, uh, some sort of a uh, legalistic mindset where we feel like I have to do X, Y, and Z. Uh, but we, we do certain things because we realize I want to please the Lord. I'm going to draw nearer to Him. I'm going to draw closer to Him. Amen. And uh, being lawless is not a viable alternative to legalism. Being lawless is not a viable alternative to legalism. We must still be obedient. You say, well, you're preaching against legalism. And I am preaching against legalism. But I'm not saying that you can break the law and do whatever you want to do. I'm saying don't be focused so much on a legalistic mindset that you neglect. Amen. The weightier things of judgment and faith and mercy. Amen. There must be that balance. Amen. That we must have. Uh, it's not uh, legalism will also produce a, a, an attitude in the church that you're you're dressing everybody with your eyes and you're saying, look at them. Why are they wearing that? 
Why are they wearing this? Why are they looking at why and and everything you look at, the other person just cutting it down. Yeah. You're, you're not obeying the law here and there. And instead, you're forgetting they're a work in progress. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to help teach them. I'm going to love them. I'm going to do everything in my power to, to keep pushing them towards him. And, and, and look at me and see Apostle Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. But being lawless is not a viable alternative to legalism. We must still be obedient. 2 Timothy 2 and 5 talks about we must strive lawfully. Amen. There must be subjection Amen. To the law of God. It's in 1 Corinthians 9 and 27 that says we, that talks about we must keep the flesh under subjection to the law of God. And John 14 and 15, if we love him, we will keep his commandments. There's not a breaking of the law of God, but there's uh, approaching the law of God with the right mindset, the right heart, the right point of view. God, I want to obey the law of God. I want to love thy law. God, I don't want it to be something that is just beat in, into me. But God, let it be something that, that I, I love. God, let it be something that I'm drawn to. Let it be something, God, that I'm trying to uh, please you, God. I'm trying to do your will. Amen. A young man and a young woman that meet for the first time and quickly fall in love. And they talk and they talk and they talk. And they find out what pleases the other person. They want to do what that person Enjoys. They want to, you know, you, let's say you uh, you meet a person and they're like, well, I don't like that outfit. But you really love them and you, you say, okay, they're a little jerk, but yeah, at least they told me they're mine. And so you say, well, I'll, I'll not wear that outfit no more because I want to please them. I want to, I want them to be happy with me. And it's the same thing. We want to please God. If there's errors, amen, that God is instructing us, amen, to make some adjustments, and to make some changes, I want to please the Lord. And that's why John 14 and 15 says, if we love him, we'll keep his commandments. And 1 John 2 and 5 says that through obedience, the love of God is perfected. It's observance of the laws of God. It's not a living lawlessly and a living as a renegade, amen, doing whatever we will because, amen, we're not under the law. Amen. But they're still striving lawfully. There's still uh, the subjection of the flesh. There's still a keeping of his commandments. And there's still the love of God being perfected through our obedience to the law of God. Amen. And Psalms 97 and 10 says, Ye that love the Lord, hate evil. Ye that love the Lord, hate evil. And to love God is to hate evil. It's to shun. It's to uh, cleave to that which is good and abhor that which is evil. God, I, I want to I do away with this in my life, and I want to draw closer to you. I want to shun that which is evil, and I, wanna, and I, I want to draw close. I want to cleave to that which is good. Amen. To love God is to hate evil. If to love means to obey, then to hate means to disobey. And I would say this, amen. That love is far more demanding than duty. Amen. If, it, if my relationship with my wife was based off duty. Amen. The relationship would be over probably. A long time ago. But it is because I love her. I love my wife. I don't feel a duty to my wife as much as I feel a love for her. 
and I want to take care of her and I want to uh, I want to do nice things for her. I want to please her. I, I want to know her more. I want to be closer to her. I want to spend more time with her. I love her. If we approach our marriage relationship with the lens of duty, you're going to get in a lot of trouble with your spouse, with your significant other. Because you're going you're gonna to spend 10 minutes with them looking at the clock the whole time. All right, it's 10 minutes. I can go play now. I spent time with you. They're not going to like that too much. But they want to know, I enjoy spending time with you. I love you. Uh, and so that love, love is far more demanding than duty. Duty is done from a point of obligation. And if we only act from a sense of duty and obligation, all that we should expect from God is what is required of him to be God. And I don't know about you, but I want God to bless me. I want God to use me. I want God to have his way in my life. I don't want God just to save me and leave me uh, leave me in the somewhere straight on a corner and say, I saved you. I did my part. I gave you the Holy Ghost. I washed away your sins. Now go sink or swim, buddy, till the rapture comes. Hang out. Just That's all. I did my part. I'm God. I'm going to keep the, the sun going around the earth all the time, and I'm going to keep the four seasons, and you do it yourself. Amen. That's that's uh, approaching things from a sense of duty and obligation. But when we uh, do more, amen, when we go beyond duty and obligation, we open a door of blessing and anointing beyond what God is required to give us. When we go beyond duty and obligation, we open a door of blessing and anointing beyond what God is required to give us. How is that expressed in my life? It's expressed in my life because uh, through, the, through certain examples, such as I can be here on Sundays and I can be here on Wednesdays and I can say, well, I'm doing my part as a member of this church. I'm showing up and I'm paying my time. I'm doing my part. But it's when I spend some extra time in God's presence. It's when I get a one a day on a Sunday afternoon and I give it out on Monday, on Tuesday. It's when I... Sometimes you know, I say, I'll make the sacrifice. I'm going to come out to Monday night prayer. I'm going to just make some time in my home on a, on a Thursday night. I'm going to pray. I'm going to get my Bible out and we're going to read as a family. And you do those things that are above and beyond. And you begin to seek the face of God. And perhaps you may have made a commitment to read one chapter of the Bible a day. And you say, you know, what? I'm going to go beyond my duty and my obligation to just say I read the Bible. And I'm going to spend a few extra Minutes reading some more chapters of the Bible. I'm going to go above and beyond that I might know him more, that I might have the blessing and the favor of God. Amen. It's been in the times in my life when I've given above and beyond the offering. I've said, God, I'm only required to give 10 percent and a token offering from my heart. But God, I'm going to give a little bit extra. And it's been in those times in my life when God has blessed me extra. When I've, I've stood back and I've watched God go above and beyond in my life. And it's the principle. Amen. I could have sat back and said, God, I've, I've, I've done my part. I've paid my 10 percent. I've given my 10 percent. Uh, I've given a, an offering of remembrance. Uh, and it's, it's a standard offering, whatever it is, 2 percent or or 5%, whatever you put in your heart to give unto the Lord. And you can sit back and say, God, I've done my part. i fulfilled my duty and my obligation. But something happens when you go above and beyond. And you say, God, I want a little bit more of you. 
God, I'm going to give a little bit extra of myself. Amen. And it is uh, it is that desire. Amen. That begins to trigger some things in the supernatural for God to go above and beyond in our lives. And I want to be blessed. Amen. And I would say this. Amen. And we're coming to a close. Amen. Love motivates from desire. Desire will motivate us to be like him. Not because we have to. Not because we have to, but because we want to. It's because I want to please him. It's because I'm not satisfied with where I'm at, Sister Dee. I want more of God. And, and, and I've, got to, I've got to go a little bit beyond what I normally do that I might know him more. You say, I want to know him more. Well, how much more are you going to do to know him more? I want to know him more, but I'm going to keep doing the exact same thing I'm doing. Or am I going to go a little bit above and beyond? And I'm going to seek him with all of my heart, with everything I've got. And this is when holiness becomes a law written in the heart and not just the mind. When we understand that it should be something that comes from our hearts. God, I want to please you. I want to serve you. I want to do that which is right in your sight, God. I know the word of God says certain things that I'm to do X, Y, and Z. And I'm going to do those things, God, to the best of my ability. But God, I want you to know, God, I'm going to do it because I want to please you. God, because I want to serve you. I want to love you, God. God, there's things, Lord, that preachers have preached and, and teachers have taught in my life. And I know what's right and what's wrong. But God... I want you to know tonight on a Wednesday night, God, that I'm going to obey the law of God. And it's going to not be because of duty and obligation. But, God, I want it to be from a heart of love, a heart of desire to please God. I want you to know, God, that it's going to come from my heart and not from a sense of duty and obligation. God, I want to please Him. I want to please Him. I want to serve Him. I want to serve Him. A young child, years ago, as they were facing a time of correction from their parent, the parent had a belt out and they were going to whip their child because he did some grievous, heinous crime. said, I'm doing this because I love you. Have you ever heard that one? I'm doing this because I love you. And the child responded, well, then mommy don't love me then because I don't want that spanking. But I would tell you, amen, some things we do because we love him, not because it's required of us. But there should be things that we do because I want to please him. Not because pastors watching, pastors seeing everything, but because whether or not pastors out on vacation or away, I want to love him. I got this for myself a long time ago. Amen. I stopped. Living for God because my parents were on my back all the time. Telling me to pray. Telling me to pay my tithe. Telling me to be faithful to church. And telling me you can't go there because we got church tonight. But I reached a point in my life where I said, I want to do this because I love him. I got in God's presence, Elijah, one day. And I got a hold of God. And I fell in love with him. And I reached a point in my life where I said, no longer because mom and dad are looking. No longer, brother, no, because mom and dad are looking. And saying, is he going to live right? But because I made a commitment. 
And I made a decision to walk with the Lord. Amen. If we could stand to our feet. Amen. We're, we're, we're done here tonight. Amen. But I would like for us uh, as we close to just let's come to the front for a, a few moments. If we could all just take a few steps forward and come to the altar. Amen. And I want to conclude. Amen. With us as a church and a prayer to God. Amen. I know we didn't shout and scream and hoop and holler tonight. And I love to have that kind of service where we shout and we dance and we cry and we weep. And we experience high church. High church. But there's other times when we got to slow down and just talk about the scriptures and the word of God. But I want us to pray tonight as a church that God would give us a love for holiness and that's been my prayer over the last several weeks as I've been studying and and seeking the face of God for the direction of our church that God would give us a love for holiness and that his law his word would not be something that we just have here in our head but that we get in our heart we say that's why God put it there So I would love his law. And the third thing is I want us to pray that God would renew our love for him. Renew our love for him. Perhaps we're okay tonight. But there's nothing wrong with the prayer that says God renew in me that first love. So it's a a love for holiness. It's a love for Jesus. And it's that his word his law would be in our heart and our mind tonight. Amen. How many would even help me pray that tonight? Amen. Just for a few moments. Amen. Let's lift up our voices. Let's ask the Lord to do this here tonight. God, we worship your name, Jesus.